Hello, everyone. Welcome to Touch Podcast. I am Shannon Etheridge. This is Ryan Clark. And this is Nathan Navarro. And Nate, I am so excited to get to talk about the interview that you did today. Tell us about why you chose Thomas Jaggers and why you chose this particular topic. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, well, I'd love to tell you about Thomas because um, I met Thomas along my journey trying to jumpstart my desire as a man. So since we're talking about desire for this season of Touch Podcast, it just seemed perfect for me to reconnect with this guy and to say, hey, listen, we're doing this episode. How can you share some of the things that you shared to me so I can benefit some of these folks? So I, I met Thomas in, in Holland um, as I was attending a mystery school over there, a festival of love. And Thomas lives in, um, he's a Brit, but he lives in Santa, in, not Santa Monica, in Santa Fe. Where he's involved with the the Moga Dao Institute. They teach Qigong over there. They teach a lot of somatic exercises, a lot of Eastern philosophies that give us the practical exercises to connect us back into our body. So it's a great conversation of some principles there, and, and I hope you guys enjoy it and gain something. Thomas is here. How you doing, <laughs> man? Great, great. We are hanging out in my studio in Topega Canyon, and tell everyone where you just flew out from. I got up at 2.30 this morning to fly from New Mexico to L.A., did a day of work in L.A., and then went out to dinner with Nate, and here we are now. Yeah, yeah, and we met... We were in Holland, we were in, in the Netherlands at, at um, the Festival of Love 2018. It was a very interesting time, because, you know, the hashtag MeToo fallout was going on, and um, a lot of the men and women there wanted a response to that. My background is the co-founder of an organization called True Masculine, and we work with men. Um, as part of the growing um, men's movement around the world that, is, that is, is going beyond the men's movement from the 70s, but really starting to look at how do we reconceptualize and redefine masculinity such that we become the sensitive, but also strong and vulnerable um, compassionate sexual men that we really are without that then spilling over into the toxicity that we're seeing in that the Me Too movement is highlighting. The the theme for this season in Touch Podcast is desire. Right. And I remember when I started on my healing path, my theology separated sexuality from my being so well mm -hmm. that I felt like I had to leave my faith and explore another theology which had sexuality more infused with spirituality. Presumably because your desire was so strong that you couldn't continue denying it. Yeah, yeah, that's another way you could phrase it, right? Mm -hmm. Why did you feel the need to phrase it that way? I'm just curious. Well, because I was struck by you saying that you felt the need you had to leave your church. Correct. You had, so so this, this, this institution and this way of life, which had been so much a part of your life from childhood onwards and was deeply in your family, deeply in your community and deeply in you as an individual. And yet something compelled you to step away from it. So that something must have been pretty strong. Yeah. And I think so. And the subject of this season being desire, that's that's what I am wanting to point to. Desire is an incredibly strong human force and many of us will shy away from it partly because it is so strong but 
what I want to point to is the need that we have to refine our desire, to refine our sexuality. Because how we talk about it in, in Santa Fe, in the Mogadau Institute, and with the, my teacher there, Jen, is that our essence is one of eros. We are necessarily in an erotic relationship with all of life. We need the rest of life. We need each other. We need the planet that we live on. We need the rest of life. Otherwise, we wouldn't be who we are. We wouldn't be human, and we wouldn't even have the possibility to exist. And so Eros is not confined to, but it includes sexuality. And so that absolutely, inherently natural drive towards sexuality, which gets brought to our consciousness through desire, through the longing to meet with another person and whether that's the longing to meet with them as a friend to meet them with them as a colleague or to meet with them as a romantic or sexual partner that desire is an, an upsurging of energy within us which none of us can deny every every single one of us experiences it and yet the other extreme from the from the religious extreme the kind of idea of the 60s of of radical free love and being sexual with anybody and everybody right. also doesn't work that's we're, we're not such um unrefined beings that it is right for us to enter into sexual partnership with every single person we encounter or whoever we feel like on whichever evening of the week because as we know when we enter into sexual partnership with someone we start to reveal very very deep aspects of who we are as individuals you can't be in a truly intimate relationship without revealing something of yourself whether you share that or not you'll be revealing it to yourself and we all know when we're in bed with the right person and when we're in bed with the wrong person we all know when we're sitting close and intimately with the right person and when we're sitting close and intimately with the wrong person and it can be as simple as the smell of that other person which can pull us in and, and smell so alluring and so attractive or someone whose smell it's not a bad smell but it's not an alluring and attractive smell to who we are so these signs are important and and what they do is they help us find ourselves on our right path on our destiny if you like we say at Mogadau, desire is linked inextricably to destiny. If we follow our right desire, we will land on our destiny path. But in order to follow our right desire, we have to refine it so that we don't have a, a scattergun approach to desire, but we know, okay, this is a person who we want to be friends with, but we don't want to be sexual with. This is a person who we want to work with, but we don't want to be sexual with. But this person... This person does the possibility of, of sexual relationship with two. And that is then a beautiful thing to be able to recognize and to follow without being the victim of our own unrefined desire. You know, <clears throat> I've never heard that relation that clear before. You know, to say that your desire is linked to your destiny. Because I've had this theory, you see, right? Um, I didn't date proper uh, before I was married. I was just kind of, you know, I just wanted to 
saving sex for marriage and temptation was a hotbed of, I mean, dating was a hotbed of temptation, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So, um, so I never pursued or chased anyone sexually. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never did that. When I got married, it was an expectation. Like I was like, oh, right. I don't have to, I don't have to seduce my wife to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to lay with me on my honeymoon night. Right. Um, so and then I went through my marriage where was a lot, there was a lot of expectation and then we divorced. And, and so now I'm starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding now, I'm finding at, you know, during the season of my life that I've never pursued a woman I fully desired, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I desired my ex-wife. I did. I was, I was sexually attracted to my ex-wife. I genuinely was. But I never let loose my full desire sexually. Mm-hmm. I was saving that for the marriage space, right? So, and in the mar- marriage, in our marriage space was so fragmented, I never, I, I didn't feel safe to express my desire there also. And there's a lot of married folks who are having a hard time fully expressing their desire. So there's probably a lot of folks who can relate to, to these words at the moment that we've never gone after something fully with our full unapologetic desire. And what I'm realizing now is um, I'm having a hard time um, pursuing the career I really want as well and pursuing what trip I want to do this weekend as well, right? Or mm. who's the friend I want to hang out with? Who, what friend do I desire to, to be with? Like I, I tend to match those things up with a list of conveniences mm. or who's around me and and the type of work I get are the ones that are convenient and that that pay well and you know so i've lived a life that is not about the pursuit of desire it's more of and what's accessible to me mm-hmm. and i've always wondered if if i was more confident and embraced my full desire when i was younger and i just kept at it for these past few decades then maybe you know now that the age i am right now um Maybe it'd be easier for me to to, to to desire specifically what I want in those things because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of lacking the ability to just say what I really mm-hmm, want. Mm-hmm. I'm going to respond to you in what I think might be a surprising way. But what I would say is that in order to really know our desire and to be able to express it and to be able to follow it, we first have to know ourselves in solitude. Oh, and so we're getting Yoda now. Yeah, right. yeah. we're going to get twisty. How does this work? So we so I think this applies across the board, but I'm just going to focus in on sexuality. Okay. So so we expect ourselves and we hope for ourselves to be the best and the most perfect lovers that we can possibly be. And yet the only place where we ever practice that is when we're actually in bed with somebody else. Right. We don't practice how we are to be lovers and we don't get to know ourselves as lovers before we leap into bed with somebody else. And this is true straight, bi, gay, queer relationships across the board because our relationship with sexuality is so projected out onto the external, out onto the object. We're so externally, initially visually oriented that we tend to forget about our own internal sexual relationship with ourselves. So a huge part of what we do in the workshops with men is to build up 
their capacity to know themselves sexually. So we are talking, in plain terms, about masturbation. Okay. But not talking about masturbation as we've all experienced it as a teenager, where it is a quick and a quick and release of tension that doesn't leave us satisfied and doesn't really leave us knowing about our own bodies our own or our own psyches as lovers but we're talking about what we call self-cultivation where we are learning to understand and learning to eroticize and sexualize our whole bodies so that we are our own lovers and from being my own lover and from knowing my own body so intimately and knowing what gives me pleasure and knowing what's what I like and what I don't like, what takes me close to the edge and what pulls me back from the edge and how my body moves in sex, then I can take that into the bed with a partner. And there is a celebration of and a getting to know ourselves as sexual beings so that we can then, in the most beautiful and passionate and refined way, share that with other people. So in the workshops, we will work with men to, you know, what is it to touch yourself sexually but reverently? What is it that is going to take you too close to the edge and how to pull back from the edge? And these practices then serve incredibly to both demystify but also bring a deeper layer of sacred mystery into our sexual relationship with ourselves so that it isn't the kind of ongoing into adulthood release of tension that ultimately results in the objectification of others, men or women, and the misogynistic and violent and abusive attitudes towards sex that we see so prevalent in society. Yeah, I totally relate with that. You know, even when I'm in the privacy of getting myself off my own shower, there's a rush. There's a rush. You know, there's a rush. And there's also kind of like, I don't know, like this violent forcing right. type of thing. Because like, right. yeah, I got to get on with my day and get, get rid of this attitude so I can la la la, you mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. and it's, I'm, I'm not intending to be goal-oriented, goal but I just, my, my focus is to get it out of me. Right. Versus, uh, I guess arousing my own being so it just blows its own top off right (laughs) that's beautiful yeah we we all need to be arousing our own beings wow okay all right so before i go before we get to (laughs) to well we're already we're already we're talking about masturbation we're deep in it we're we're deep in it we're We're here we're gonna commit to this okay so so paint me a picture here you've you've done this you you teach these men men's groups i've been a part of one of these groups Mm. um if I'm hearing this for the first time, I'm thinking, whoa, are we are we in a circle jerk? Is this what these men groups look uh, like? Uh, uh, uh. Like what th- just paint a picture for me so I know like if this is the type of thing that I'm needing as a man, paint a picture for me to kind of, you know, um calm my fears. Because right mm-hmm. now I'm thinking circle mm-hmm. jerk. Yeah, sure. So I mean I think there's there's a lot of work in the in the sexuality workshop arena that is Breaking down boundaries and breaking down norms, which on the one hand is a good thing, but is also taking people's sexuality and forcing them through boundaries and forcing them through norms that perhaps they don't want to go to and perhaps 
shouldn't be gone through in a context that isn't an intimate and sexually consensual situation. So, you know, a lot of the Tantra workshops um, that happen around the world encourage people to become sexually active with other participants in the group, groups, participants they might not even have met before that day. Wow. Because it is breaking down the sexual norms that say you shouldn't be doing that. This I don't want to do in the groups. Mm. I, I do not want to encourage anybody to um, be flippant with their sexuality, but rather to become more and more reverent with their sexuality, but not a reverence that takes distance from or casts as sinful or casts as only for physical gratification and release and relief, but rather reverent that celebrates and uplifts our sexuality so that we become sexual beings in every instant of our day. It doesn't mean we're necessarily expressing ourselves sexually, but we feel the erotic sexual energy in our bodies that is available to us, and then we know where to bring it and where not to bring it. And so in the groups, we do teach... I mean, as a small part of it, we work with many other aspects of what it is to be a man, how we define and express strength, what it is to be vulnerable as a man, what it is to be sensitive as a man, how we work with um, homophobia as gay and straight and bi men and the effect that that has on us. But talking explicitly about self-cultivation exercises, then we will, as a group of men, with clothes on, with hands inside our clothes, reverently touch ourselves and connect with that part of the body. But it's the very polar opposite of a circle jerk. <laughs> nobody, nobody is being, nobody is being um, encouraged to arouse themselves publicly uh-huh. in front of other people. People are being encouraged to, to find a degree of acceptance and. Um, celebration of their sexuality and acknowledge that with other men this is another aspect which is so unfortunate in modern masculinity that women will talk about their sexuality with each other men very very rarely talk about their sexuality with each other and except to to boast or to denigrate right so boasting about the sexual conquest that that I had last night or last week with man or woman or denigrating another man for his perceived lack of sexuality. But we don't talk about and share our vulnerabilities with each other. We don't talk about and, un- and uplift each other in their sexuality. How It's changing. I agree that it's changing, especially with the millennial generation, but it's much rarer to hear two men having a conversation saying, oh my goodness, Nate, you are looking so handsome tonight. You're just looking great. Your body looks fantastic. Because to go on to the next subject, that that raises such a fear of homophobia in both speaker and listener. And that starts to shut down our sexuality. As men, we are so deeply afraid of of the truth of our sexuality that it's hard to accept it and acknowledge it even in ourselves, let alone in conversation and in company and in male friendship. When I when I did this group with you, I remember two particular parts. These these, yes, these are the things. These were the two moments that stuck out the most to me. There were a, a lot of amazing things, but these are the things that kind of hit my alarms the most. Right at one point, we did 
we're encouraged to write a brief biography of our penis, like the life journey of our penis. Of, our... of our relationship with our phallus, yes. There it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the relationship of yeah. our phallus. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, ladies, let me ask a few bold questions. What would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman? Someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt, shame, or inhibition? Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending a Woman at the Well workshop with our very own Shannon Etheridge, yay! Author of 22 books and relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonetheridge.com and clicking the workshops link. Each four-day intensive is limited to eight to ten pre-screened participants, so act now and reserve your spot today. That was a journal entry for us that we had to yeah, do. Yeah. Um, that was uh, very revealing, mm-hmm. um, and you had us read them out loud if we chose to. Right. And um, it was a powerful moment in there. Like I really got to know them. I felt like they got to know me. So that that was huge. And that's probably not a conversation you've ever had with another man. How what's what's been the biographical history of your relationship with your phallus? I, I never had that no. relationship <laughs> conversation with myself. You know. Um, yeah, that was huge. And um, the other exercise that stuck out to me was um, there was a time in which we, you encouraged us to each find our own space in the floor. It was like a wide floor. Um, and, um, you know, like a, one of those carpeted classrooms with all the desks cleared off and such. And uh, so we found our own spaces, our own little bubbles, so to speak. And you did encourage us at one point, you know, I think we were touching different things, our chest, feeling relaxed, did some meditation. But uh, when you asked us that you encouraged us to, we didn't have to put our hands on top of our jeans or even below and touch ourselves, not to get off, but just to feel the warmth of my hand there Mm -hmm. or even to allow some movement, Mm -hmm. right? Just Mm -hmm. to to feel the aliveness, Mm -hmm. right? I remember all of my alarms going off thinking there's no way in hell all these guys are going to be holding themselves in this room. Like, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We were all focused on ourselves, but mm-hmm. I, it felt like judging by the room, everyone did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, just feeling the okayness in that situation right. was such right. a, that was such a wormhole into a different reality. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really enjoyed that. I, I strongly believe that working with men and all of us men working to redefine what we mean by masculinity, how we relate to ourselves as men, how we relate to our own core qualities of strength, sensitivity, vulnerability, sexuality, how we relate to other men, how we uplift rather than put down other men, how we learn to admire rather than disdain other men, how we learn to accept the beauty of who we are and the beauty of the rest of the world so that we get rid of the sexist and misogynistic tendencies in us. This is a core part of transforming the society we live in. 
beyond just the men's the men's <clears throat> workshop world beyond even our own experiences in the bedroom this is part of transforming society and if we can if we can do that if we can be part of the transformation of of what is the toxic masculinity of today into a more beautiful and evolved masculinity then we will be well on the way to solving many of the other problems of society as well including relationship to the planet and to our natural resources and the quality and the tone of our politics wow wow you hear that we just got a mission of how we can help save the world by getting to know our own phallus i love it that is the best mission to save the world i've ever heard of (laughs) right it's true it's absolutely true it's absolutely true um so before we sign off i think we should i should just ask one question where does this what's the first moment of your relationship with your penis the first moment of my relationship what's the scene what's the first scene in the movie of you and your relationship with your penis (laughs) i think i just put you on the spot you did just put i just put him on the spot (laughs) (laughs) this is called hazing this is this is good the, the, the reason that exercise is so powerful and so profound for everybody who does it is because our relationship with our own phallus is a, a defining thread through our lives. But as you said, it's not something that we ever really think about, but it's there. And yeah. it's a thread that is so important. And it's a thread that inevitably has its incredible ups and its incredible downs. Because we've all been through the... the the, the pleasures of the relationship of our relationship with our phallus, whether as teenagers or as adults, and we've also been through moments of shame and and sadness and grief in our relationship with our phallus. So the first memory for me that really stands out in my story is is my first ejaculation oh. in my bedroom at home, and what what a wondrous moment that was! Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, I, my body can do this. What is that? Let's do it again. <laughs> Awesome. It was awesome. It was totally amazing. Um, was, was this an accidental stimulation? Like No, oh. it wasn't no, it wasn't an accidental. It was I was intentionally um self-pleasuring myself, but I hadn't ever ejaculated before. I was maybe thirteen years old or something yeah. like that. Wow. And um and that that was a moment of real um wonder and, and, and joy in my relationship with my phallus. And then fast forward six years to when I was 19 and in in sexual relationships with with young women and ejaculating faster than I wanted to oh and that being one of the low points you know this this idea that I wasn't lasting long enough I wasn't performing well enough and so and then you know through the course of one's life you go through these different ups and downs of relationships with your phallus I mean necessarily with your sexuality but also with your own definition of yourself as a man yeah. and for me that's been through the course of, of girlfriends through marriage through divorce through through finding a new relationship through monogamy and through betrayal and all of these things which trace the course of our lives in, in such an interesting but unexamined way Guys, we are going to give this a try. We're going to try out uh, some of these workshops here for men. And it's going to be, these are going to be uh, beta tests, right? So um, if 
if you guys are interested, for those of you who are associated or know know、um, people who who let me spell that again.、Um, if you guys are interested in starting a group like this、um, that Thomas and I will host because we're all experimenting with this together,、um, please contact us and we will put something together. And maybe we can get some more men in your area and we can show up there. And perhaps this event could even happen at your church. Who'd have thought? Can, can you hold your own penis, your own phallus in a church with other men if it's for the purposes of healing and reacquainting yourself? My answer to that is yes. Yes, you can. It is possible. The body is holy. The body is holy. So the answer to that question is yes. So let's start experimenting and let's start growing as men. And discover God in new and amazing ways, our bodies in new and amazing ways. Thanks for hanging out with us. This was great. I、Thank、feel、you. like we need to hang out again. There's、yes. a lot、yes. of good conversation here. <laughs> wow. So, Nate, I have to tell you that I listened to this recording on my way down the road in the car, and I just I wanted to pull over. And unbuckle my seatbelt and get out of the car and like do a victory dance for you when I heard you make the declaration the body is holy. The body <laughs> is holy because you said it with such conviction that I could tell that some things have happened in your mind and in your spirit, in your own self esteem.、Yeah. It was just really indicative of tremendous healing and growth on your part for you. Like you didn't put it out there tentatively or apologetically. You declared it so unapologetically <laughs> that I could tell that you were speaking from the core of who you are as a man. And I was just so proud of you and proud for you. And it reminds me of a saying that I heard Steve Arterburn、uh, share several times from stage that men don't become men in the presence of women, men become men in the presence of men.、Mm. And I think that men like Thomas Jaggers and other mentors that you've had have really helped you. Catch the vision of who you are as a man. And I'm excited for this journey that you're on.、Oh, wow. Thank you.、Um, yeah, if, even when I hear myself during those beats, those things surprise me because, you know, when we, when we walk in Christ and we feel, the, you know, God resonating in our being and, we, and these God words come out here and there, and all of a sudden you just feel Christ speaking through you, pleasure does the same thing when it comes from that high place. And it's God. And when you, say, when you hear yourself saying something that puts sex and, the, you know, sex and God together, and it's like, whoa, I haven't heard this before, you can trust it because you feel it. And, and thanks, for, like, thanks for circling me back to that moment because even I forget those things happen.、Um, so, yeah, thank you. I can see Ryan lighting up too when you talk about that. Like, you, you're bobbing your head up and down.、Yeah. <laughs> What are you observing, Ryan? Yeah, so,、uh, well, first off, that, you know, that was a, a lovely conversation, fascinating, beautiful conversation. And、um, I really enjoyed listening to the two of you interacting with each other. And the, the content that、uh, Thomas brings to the table is, is beautiful and fascinating because,、um, you know, coming from an Eastern Buddhist or Taoist tradition, which is, would be that, that school of thought. Is very helpful for me because, in in the sort of Western Christian way of thinking about things, when we think of the the body as being holy, the body being the temple of God,、um, 
we have all these caveats to that um, because um, in qualifiers that by the time we're done talking about it, we're just, you know, we talk about ourselves as being like a lowly worm, um, you know, and that like, and in our Western way of thinking, like anything that comes from our body, any desire that originates from us must be bad and evil and, and to be discarded so that we can create a space to let God into us. And that is not, that's not an Eastern way of thinking. That's a very Western sort of philosophical way of thinking. And, um, and I just thought it was really lovely uh, him talking about the vulnerable masculine and uh, you know, the, the process of, of refining your desire and letting the, the right kind of desire create a path for you. I thought that was all very beautiful and probably would sound scary to a lot of um, sort of mainstream Christian listeners because we're taught um, that, you know, if it's a desire that's sort of originating from us, it's going to lead us into hell and damnation. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I know for myself, it, to hear a man talk and I have to admit, the richness of his accent really helped a lot. <laughs> Sometimes I was like, I was talking to Gandalf and Antonio Banderas at the same time. So wise and sexy. It's like, this is working. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so him t- talking about sexuality from another place, from another theology with architecture, meant something to me. Because, you know, with... Christianity is a theology with architecture, and that architecture, I just have a lot of comfort in it. And so when he's speaking about it from the architecture of, of some of these Eastern philosophies, it's like, okay, cool. It's been, you know, uh, tried and tested for centuries, right? Um, but what we're hearing from both of these architectures is how to hold something that's untamed and wild and unscripted. And, and that's like that thing that you're talking about, that us men, we've been so trained to fear it. And to hear it spoken in this way, um, with permission and possibility, ooh, new things. Hey, we're out of time for this episode, so we're going to pause it right there. But there is more to be said about masculinity. So we're going to be back next week talking about this very same topic. So stay tuned. Also, a special shout out to Nate, our co-host, who has just launched his own docu-series on YouTube called Gospel of the Body. Many of you are particularly intrigued by his journey, and now you can follow along. And you'll find that link at NathanDemero.com. That is N-A-T-H-A-N-N-O-V-E-R-O.com. And finally, if you'd like to schedule me, ooh la la, to speak at your church or for individual coaching, you can go to ThatRyanClark.com. This has been Touch Podcast. I'm Nate Novero. This is Ryan Clark. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening.